My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. As St. Peter said to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, it is good to be here. It's good to be back together at Mass in our church. And thank you for all your sacrifices over the, the months that we've been apart, the painful sacrifices of not being able to receive Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist and navigating social media to virtually attend Mass. Thank you for your patience and dealing with all the unsettledness of having to come to Mass with a mask and sanitizer and distancing. Used to leave the house going keys and wallet, now it's like keys, wallet, sanitizer, mask. This, what we're doing here today, this is the most essential thing to reclaim a phrase in the life of Catholic Christians, and so it's indeed good to be here. Probably the greatest of understatements ever, it's been a bizarre few months. On the list of how so is the whole education and new vocabulary that we've learned. In December, how many people would have even known of a place called Wuhan? Or what COVID was? Phrases like social distancing, goals of flattening the curve would have all been somewhat foreign concepts and unknown to the vast majority of people, yet we're all very well and familiar with them now. Even medical things seem to have entered into everyday conversation and become controversial debates. For example, can you ever recall a prescription drug that's name would be more widely known and fiercely debated to the degree that hydroxychloroquine has? Months ago, as the the news shifted to 24 hours a day, seven days a week coverage over the virus, you were hearing people speculating all kinds of potential treatment or cures for the virus. And depending on how much time and energy you were paying to it all, or where you were looking for information, you could hear everything from vitamin C to just being out in the sun for extended periods of time as being offered as possibilities. Hydroxychloroquine was first a headline that came from Europe, where some doctors over there were reporting that this 
anti-malaria drug was effective in treating patients that were suffering from COVID-19. Because this wasn't a typical usage for this drug, there were a lot of people that were understandably hesitant about it, while others got incredibly excited at a potential breakthrough in combating something we've never faced before. A long story short, as you probably remember, it became political. There were some who became major advocates of it and were proposing it very publicly as a treatment, while others were just as quickly dismissing it as a treatment and claiming it was dangerous and irresponsible to be promoting it in such a public way. And depending on one's political beliefs, people were starting to make determinations about medical treatment to a disease, which in our saner, more critical thinking of moments should make everybody shudder. Yesterday, CNN, who was more in the anti-hydroxychloroquine camp, posted a headline saying, a surprising new study found that the controversial anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine helped COVID-19 patients better survive in the hospital. And just seeing it was depressing. Not that it's hopefully a way of helping to treat the virus, but rather how far our country has gotten so polarized that when so many people are suffering from a virus, people have been anxious and depressed about the effects of it, that a potential treatment could become a game of politics and become a source of further division. It's depressing to see politicians acting like this, even being on, on one side or the other of what should be a medical debate. It's depressing seeing media people almost gleeful in reporting it doesn't work with a I told you so attitude, just as depressing as seeing other media people saying, yes, it does work with a told you so attitude yesterday. All this has gotten a, a vast majority of people to the point of frustration to wonder, can we trust anyone or anything anymore? And that's been a, a recurring theme in all kinds of discussions with people of all ages that I've been encountering over the last few months, and I'm sure many of you have as well, if not thought them as well. Which for us as, as people of faith is not necessarily a bad thing, because we need to recapture a sense of who we are and whose we are. And recognizing that how we answer those questions impacts everything. Who we are and whose we are. St. Paul very beautifully reminds us of that in today's second reading, saying, Brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Paul is arguing that we cannot live according to the flesh, allowing temporal things to consume our thoughts and our words and our actions. So if we're living as followers to any politician, to any media source, if we take a politi political party affiliation like saying I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican and allow that to become our identity, if our worldview is being determined by what CNN or Fox News or the New York Times tells us, if we're focused simply on temporal, temporary comforts and discomforts and finances and physical health, then it's no wonder we're going to feel more anxious, we're going to lack peace, and we're going to lack joy. They're temporal, temporary things 
which we've learned over, especially well over the last few months, that are going to come and go, sometimes very quickly. Remaining focused on those things and letting them define us can distract us from the eternal things. It can diminish our awareness of that Spirit of God that dwells within us. St. Paul reminds us the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How awesome a gift that we can be so easily oblivious to. We have resurrection power within us. That same Spirit that conquered death dwells in you and me. That's the gift of our baptisms. That's what we are renewed by and nourished as we receive Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist. Paul's words are meant to stir that spirit within us so that we can hear afresh the words of Christ beckoning us in that gospel. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, when speaking to those initial listeners, he knew that they were burdened. They were being mistreated by the Romans. They were having their identity as, as God's chosen people being weighed down with what had become a highly legalistic and almost obsessively compulsive set of over 600 rules and regulations. These individuals were lacking peace and joy. They were anxious. So for you and I living in the year 2020 with all of our trials and tribulations, we can recognize that it's not so different now than it was from back then. And Jesus' answer back then is as effective and as powerful to today. Jesus dismisses all those powerful entities, government and religious leaders, and tells them, come to me, take my yoke. And as they did, these first followers experienced freedom, freedom of being children of God, of being his sons and daughters. Freedom. As our nation celebrates our Independence Day this weekend, in this time of continued uncertainty, it's an opportunity for us to reflect on how our founding fathers, in charting out a course for the new nation, understood that very point. The extraordinary thing in the Declaration of Independence is that they recognize the equality of humanity comes from our Creator, our freedoms, our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All those things, like everything else, comes from God. When we remember these truths, when we see ourselves as first and foremost a follower of Jesus and allow our following Him to shape how we live, our identity, we find not only getting back to our roots as Americans, living out that dream that our, our framers had in that Declaration of Independence, more importantly, we remember and live as citizens of the Kingdom of God and our eternal identity as being His beloved sons and daughters.